Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome, everyone. This is No Need to Argue with Kobe Whittick. Welcome to the show, everyone. It is November 19th, Monday night football tonight, one of the biggest matchups of the entire season. We will definitely get into that matchup uh, later in the episode, but I am fired up for it. It's going to be an awesome night of football. What a good weekend we had, a lot of things going on. We will definitely get into some of the good and some of the bad. I guess that's how you look at it, whether it's bad or good, but uh, thanks for joining me. Um, definitely go to my Twitter at no need to a no need number two a, um, I got some videos of our, you gotta be kidding me moments posted up and, uh, we'll definitely have some conversations going on there. So check it out. Let me know what you think about the show. Uh, I appreciate everyone who has been following and checking things out as I put it on there. So thank you to you all, uh, big weekend, the, uh, Denver Nuggets sitting right now at 10-6. and six. They are in sixth place right now in the Western Conference. Uh, lost a tough one the other night, but hoping to rebound against the Bucks in Milwaukee. Uh, lost a tough one at home to them, so hopefully we can rebound and try and win that one back in their place. And, uh, you know, just briefly, I mean, the NBA, it's so crazy, the Western Conference versus the Eastern Conference and the Nuggets. You know, this is why every game is so important that the Nuggets go out there, that they play well, and they find these wins as they're coming to them and the ones they're supposed to win. Because when you look at the Western Conference, you got the Trailblazers at number one right now with an 11 and 5 record. The difference in losses between the number one seed in the Western Conference and the number 13 seed in the Western Conference, the Mavericks, is only three games in the loss column. Three games separate one and 13, and then you got the Timberwolves and the Suns rounding out 14 and 15 in the Western Conference. So that is how tight the Western Conference is going to be. That's how it always is. Uh, and I think, like I said, with the way the Lakers have been playing, they're kind of surging, they're finding their groove. Memphis is starting really strong again. We'll see how the rest of the season goes for them. Uh, Trailblazers are on fire. So, you know, it's just so important, especially in the Western Conference where it's so tight every year that you get your stuff together and that you win the games you're supposed to and battle against those top tier teams that you want to be in contention with. To put the Western Conference into perspective, as we look at the Eastern Conference, as always, the Eastern Conference right now, they got the Raptors at 13 and 4. They got the Bucks at 11 and 4, at 1 and 2, respectively. The difference in the loss column between number one and number eight is four losses. So one more loss in the loss column separates one and eight in the Eastern Conference that separates one and 13 in the Western Conference. So 
you know, the East, like I said, that one's kind of wide open. They got some good teams at the top. You know, we'll see, you know, Celtics are sitting at nine and seven. I definitely think they will be a lot better than that as the season progresses and they get healthy. But, uh, you know, like I said, it's just, it's the Western Conference. It's what we've known. It's what we've learned to see how tough it is every single year to get out of the Western Conference and get into the playoffs. I mean, last year, you know, there was three or four teams within, you know, two, three games of each other that separated the number three seed and the number nine seed. So, you know, it's going to be the same again. Nuggets got to get back on track and get things going as the season progresses. So we will see how they do. Uh, wanted to touch on the abs too. You know, they were so exciting to start the year. You know, they've kind of tailed off a little bit. Uh, you know, they're four, four and two in the last 10 games. So, you know, they've kind of cooled off a little bit. They've kind of gone away, you know, from the physicality and some of the things that got them going to start the year. But I mean, what more can you say about that number one line for the nuggets? I mean, McKinnon, Rantanen, Landeskog, they are, arguably the best line in all of NHL. They always seem to come through in the clutch and they seem to be doing all the scoring for the Avs. So I think that is the Avs number one problem right now is that majority of all their scoring is coming from their top line and they need those, you know, second, third and fourth lines to really start producing on a nightly basis and, you know, find a goal here and there when you have the opportunity because, you know, you're going to drive these three into the ground if they are the only ones doing anything for this team when it comes to scoring, just being the workhorses out there. So really crucial that they get those second and third and fourth lines going and some defensive scoring going on for the abs, uh, you know, because those three are, they're just, it's going to be tough for them to carry this thing throughout the entire season. I mean, we've seen, you know, all-star lines and players do it before, but it's very, very tough. And, you know, I think the Washington Capitals are a great story to look at how many years they had one top tier guy and two or three really, really good players that kind of drove the entire team and were never able to get over that hump when it came to being deep in the playoffs because those guys are just shot. They can't do it every single night for an entire year and the playoffs. So you got to get those other lines working. But good to see that the Avs and the Nuggets right now have winning records. They're starting the season off right. You know, these seasons really don't get going until December, January, and, you know, when it gets real. So, uh, you know, keep this beginning of the year mojo moving. Let's get some wins. Let's take care of business and uh, get things going as uh, Christmas approaches because that's when those seasons really do kick off. There is the bell. Let's go ahead and get right into this here with... You gotta be kidding me. So the first one I have, I mean, Julio Jones. What a play he made in the game against the Cowboys. If you haven't seen it, it's on my Twitter at no need 2 a Go check out the video. I mean, Matt Ryan overthrows... Julio Jones by about, I mean, almost two full yards. It lands right in the lap of Jeff Heath, the safety. And Julio Jones just immediately puts a hit on Jeff Heath that you normally see the safeties putting on wide receivers. And it was, I watched the whole thing happen. I'm just like, oh my gosh, like, for Julio Jones to realize what was going on, to immediately just lunge himself at Heath, 
to dislodge that ball and make sure he didn't come down with the catch. And Heath kind of had to walk off slowly to the sideline. It was really awesome being a tight end, being an offensive guy, and uh, you know, seeing a wide receiver put a hit like that on a safety, knowing that 99% of those hits come from the safeties on wide receivers across the middle. And it was just so awesome to see Julio Jones try and tip the scales a little bit in the wide receiver side and uh, just put a lick on uh, on Heath. So what a shot, what a play, you know, totally disrupted the interception, really saved a big turnover in that game, and uh, got to give it up for Julio Jones. I mean, I've been in that situation before, you know, in my days playing where that ball kind of sails a little bit or you see the interception before it even happens and you do everything you can to dislodge that ball and save that play. What a play by Julio Jones. And there's no need to argue about that. You got to be kidding me. Next one I got here, you know, the the NFL and the referees really, really need to get their stuff together because these penalties and, you know, the catch rule and everything else, I know you've heard me talk about it, but it's getting ridiculous with all these things that are taking place in the NFL this year and all the rule changes and all the, you know, red flags on things that they want to keep an eye on. But, you know, yesterday the Vikings were playing the Bears Great divisional game, Sunday night primetime. I had a blast watching it. I'm really excited about the Chicago Bears and how they're playing defensively, offensively with Mitchell Trubisky. I mean, they are just a fun team to watch. And what they've been able to build over the past two years with Mitchell Trubisky and that defense and now the weapons that Mitchell Trubisky has on offense is stellar. And there is no doubt why that team is leading the NFC North. But Eric Wilson had an unnecessary roughness penalty on little Taylor Gabriel in this game. And Gabriel has been an awesome addition to the Bears. He really has done great. I think that, you know, he left Atlanta. You know, they made some big wide receiver moves. I thought that he was a great player for them. He's an awesome, quick, fast, great hand little receiver uh, you know, out of the slot. But, you know, this play, Eric Wilson, you know, he catches the ball. Gabriel's kind of going out of bounds. Eric Wilson wraps him up. He realizes that they're out of bounds and he gives him a little extra nudge. And, you know, Gabriel doesn't go to the ground. You know, it's one of those where Eric Wilson easily could have tossed him into the bench if he wanted to with how small Gabriel is. He let up. He just kind of gave him a little extra shove. Gabriel goes flying for five yards. And they throw the penalty for unnecessary roughness. And immediately I was like, there's no way you're calling that penalty in a divisional game Sunday night football with what you know this game means to both teams, their playoff implications, the NFC North standings. And they call an unnecessary roughness on a penalty. I mean, that's a play 20 years ago that would have been celebrated if he would have tossed him to the ground and yet he doesn't toss him to the ground. He lets go, gives the little guy a little nudge, you know, little bullying going on divisional game. You know, Vikings are frustrated with, you know, how things went and, you know, they can't score the ball and defense is doing everything they can. I mean, this was a 14 zero game at half. I mean, Vikings were in it. Offense couldn't do anything and they call the penalty. And I think it's just ridiculous 
what the refs and the NFL and what they're doing with all these penalties and player safety and the catch rule and all this other stuff that is completely, you know, just getting away from made this what made this game so great. And it just drives me crazy when I watch little tedious things like this get penalized, I mean, penalized for 15 yards. Like, really? That was so out of bounds that they get 15 yards on that little shove that he gave them after they go out of bounds? Like, it's just ridiculous. NFL, referees, swallow the whistle, let the guys play. These are big physical men. It's going to look a little exaggerated when you take a linebacker as big as Eric Wilson and a wide receiver as small as Taylor Gabriel. It wasn't a penalty, and there's no need to argue about that. You gotta be kidding me. Okay, last one I have for this week. Um, you know, I, I like said I I know I said I wasn't gonna talk about the Broncos, but I gotta mention them because they did win yesterday. With a two-minute drive that Case Keenum put together. Let me say this about the Denver Broncos, okay? I'm listening to Sports Talk Radio all day today, and they're talking about, oh my gosh, the Broncos won, and they did it in such a tremendous fashion, and they stopped one of the hottest teams in the NFL, and blah, 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 blah. Case Keenum was horrible in this game. Absolutely horrible in this game. Until two minutes left in the game. I mean, he was passing it over receivers. He wasn't hitting guys. The offensive line, this makeshift offensive line with all these injuries comes in, gives up no sacks, no holding penalties. You have two tackles playing guard and a guard playing center for the Denver Broncos. I mean, one of the biggest offense starting offensive lines you could ask for And they don't even run the ball. And I am so, so, so sick and tired of hearing Case Keenum and Vance Joseph in their press conferences say, well, you have to pass the ball to win games. We have to be more efficient. You have to pass the ball to win games. And I call BS because the Chargers yesterday had over 500 yards of total offense. Phillip Rivers passed for 401 yards. And they lost. You know what passing that much does? Leads to two interceptions that the Denver Broncos defense got. I mean, the defense played out of their minds yesterday. Played so well. One of the best, highest scoring teams in the last couple weeks. The Chargers are just killing people with big plays. And our defense comes out there. And it's a bend but don't break. I mean, that's what the Broncos defense has always been, right? Bend but don't break. Once you get into that red zone area like you're not getting in the end zone they let up 401 passing yards they get the two interceptions they get three sacks and defense won this game for the broncos offensively i mean considering your offensive line how well they played how poorly case keenum played and you got royce freeman back let me let me let you let, okay let me put this into perspective for people. Philip Lindsay rushed the ball for 11 times. 11 times. He had the big 40-yard run. He had 79 yards total in the day. Royce Freeman, coming back from injury, rushed the ball for seven times. 18 rushes between those two studs. 
with the ginormous offensive line in front of them that we have. I mean, it was driving me crazy. I mean, it was it was unbelievable the game plan that they had coming in. And the Broncos have been talking about, well, we need a you know quick start. We need faster starts. We need to be productive. Case Keenum missed, what, his first two or three throws, I mean, well over the heads of his receivers. I know that one or two of those could have been caught, but, I mean, they were pretty difficult throws. With that offensive line that you have, and Joey Bosa is coming back into this game. So they have their two studs on the ends, pass rushing, and you want to come out and throw the ball 32 times? Come on. That is not a recipe for success against the Chargers. And they proved that because the Chargers defense played really, really well. And without those two turnovers that the Broncos got on defense, the Broncos offense wasn't doing anything. I mean, you take out that 40-yard run that Lindsey had in the first half, and it is 13-0 at halftime. The Broncos' defense did a stellar job holding the Chargers to only 22 points when they put up over 500 yards of offense. And everyone now wants to say, well, Case Keenum had a you know two-minute drive and was perfect on that drive and looked so good on that drive. Like, we didn't need that drive if the Broncos run the ball 20, 25 times that day. I mean, with Phillip Lindsay and Royce Freedom both being healthy, Freeman coming back from his injury, those two should have been workloads. Each should have probably had 15 carries. Just pound the rock. That huge offensive line, you got them big old tackles rubbing in there down in the middle with as guards. I mean, just run the ball. Joey Bosa's coming back, and for the first couple drives, he wasn't even out there except for third down to rush the passer. So keep him off the field. Just wear down that defensive line running the ball nonstop. Why are you going to play into their hands and have Case Keenum dropping back all the time? He can't hit wide receivers. I mean, it was ridiculous some of the throws he was making yesterday. Run the ball. Run the ball. Run the ball. You don't have to pass to win, okay? You use your weapons to win. That's how you win in the NFL. Knowing who your weapons are, getting them the ball in positions to be successful, and letting them go make plays. That's how you win in the NFL. Fake punt. Hey, great call. Great call at the time, but we didn't need it. If you could just run the ball, stop passing the ball with all these incompletions, with all these terrible throws, run the ball. Gosh, so sick of it. Terrible play calling all game long. You know what? The Broncos better go 8-8 eight and eight because Pat Bowen deserves it. That's all I'm going to say about that. All right, we're getting back into it here. Sorry about that. I know I said I wasn't going to talk about the Broncos, but sometimes I got to just rant. You know, everyone wants to put them up on a pedestal because they beat the Chargers. When you look at that game and you watch that game, we had no business beating the Chargers except for some hellacious plays by our defense. Thank you, Von Miller. Thank you, Chris Harris. Thank you, defense. That offense was terrible. 
Okay, I'm done. I'm done. I promise. Okay, let's move on. There was some awesome, awesome games this weekend. Uh, Seahawks Packers on Thursday night. I know we were talking about that last Thursday. What a game that ended up being. I mean, Aaron Rodgers against Russell Wilson back and forth. Uh, you know, just a, a great performance, you know, by both of those guys. Aaron Rodgers goes 21 of 30 for 330 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, you know, Aaron Jones had a decent day on the ground with a touchdown. Devontae Adams, just huge, huge numbers. Uh, you know, but like I said, it was Russell Wilson. You know, they just really pounded the rock. They had a great, great rushing day from Carson and Penny and Davis. Um, you know, even Russell Wilson had some big time runs there. And how about, you know, Tyler Lockett, big, big day. David Moore with some hellacious catches. You know, Doug Baldwin's kind of getting back into his own after coming back. Seven catches, 52 yards, and a and a great touchdown play. Uh, you know, and like I said, it was just, it was a really good game, big defensive game in the second half, really fun to watch those two go at it. And, you know, now the Packers, you know, they drop below 500, who knows what's going to happen with that team. Uh, Aaron Rodgers should come to Denver. That would be, uh, that would be an awesome move for John Elway, but probably impossible. So, you know, we'll move on from that. Uh, the Eagles, I mean, that was what the Saints have done this year and the wins that they've had and the points they're putting up. I mean, last week they put up 51 on the Bengals. This week they put up 48 on the Eagles. You know, the week before that they put up 45 on the Rams and beat the Rams. I mean, it's just, it's incredible to watch Drew Brees and what he's doing and what happened to the Eagles. I mean, that defense just non-existent. The offense, you know, really struggling. Carson Wentz, you know, one of those days, three interceptions, no touchdowns, only 150 yards passing. He was 19 of 33. They just couldn't get anything going. Uh, you know, Golden Tate comes in. You know, he has five receptions for 48 yards. You know, yesterday, you know, kind of, you know, some late game kind of garbage receptions there to Golden Tate. And I think that's something that has, you know, not necessarily frustrated me because I'm not an Eagles fan, but I think it's been very surprising how, you know, they make the big move for Golden Tate. He's a great playmaker, great possession receiver, and it doesn't seem like they're finding ways to get him the ball. You know, you bring a guy like that in, you try to get him acquainted with this offense, you got to get things rolling. He's another great target in the slot. He can be outside. You know, you got that duo now of Ertz and Tate going on. Uh, you know, against linebackers, against safeties, things that they can do with that offense. And there just seems to be no creativity, nothing going on with that offense like we saw last year when they made the run with Nick Foles. And so it's just surprising to me that you bring in a guy like Golden Tate and he's kind of been non-existent in every game that he's played with you guys. You know, I think that there's there's got to be a point where when you have bona fide playmakers, you get them the ball. And it's the same thing I talk about with the Broncos with Philip Lindsay, you know, Emmanuel Sanders. You gotta find ways and almost force ways to get your playmakers the ball. Run specific plays, do things with the formation, get your matchups. And you see that with the great teams in the NFL. You know, you look at the Saints, you look at the Chiefs, you look at you know, the Rams, I mean, name one of the top teams in the NFL. That is something that they do at the very best. And that's why they're at the top. 
they're constantly moving guys around and changing things around to get the matchup that is favorable to them with their playmakers. You know, they don't just do it so that, you know, the fourth receiver off the bench gets the best matchup and they just go to that. No, they do it so that their best playmakers get the favorable matchup and they manipulate that offense in a way of doing that. And you really see a lack of that with the Eagles because Golden Tate, Zach Ertz, I know they have Alshon Jeffrey. I know they have Jordan Matthews. I know they have Nelson Aguilar. I mean, these are guys that are, you know, good, solid players for them on the outside. But Zach Ertz and Golden Tate are your playmakers on the outside. So find ways to get them the ball. Manipulate things, force things to get them the ball in open space and let them make plays. And I just see a lack of that. And it's just, you know, it's kind of frustrating, but it's just annoying more than anything because you know this team is good. They have, you know, a lot of the same players. I mean, pretty much the same roster with a few additions and subtractions from the Super Bowl team. And they're four and six, and they get a butt whooping by the Saints in New Orleans. And you just don't know what direction this team is going in. And it's it's just frustrating. And I know Carson Wentz is a good quarterback. And, you know, he may be going through some struggles coming off the injury and everything. But, I mean, this team is, their potential is so much higher than what they're actually playing at. And, uh, you know, I bet Golden Tate wishes he was probably back in Detroit. Because then at least he's, you know, getting some balls thrown to him. And he's getting some action instead of, you know, just going out there and running routes for no reason. So, you know, Carson Wentz, you got to look to Golden Tate and, uh, you know, that offense. You, you got to figure out a way to get the ball in your playmakers' hands because they've had a lack of that this year in a lot of the games that they've lost. Panthers, I mean, I could go into the same thing with the Panthers. You know, they lose a really tough game against the Lions. And, you know, you look at the stats. I mean, it's the same thing. I'm, I'm beating on the same drum with every game that I'm talking about this, you know, this week. Christian McCaffrey only has 13 carries for 53 yards, six catches for 57 yards. I mean, come on. You got to get the ball in your playmaker's hand. I mean, Christian McCaffrey's a stud. You got to feed him. And I think that's the biggest problem right now with the Panthers. It's like they want Cam Newton to be the focal point of the offense. They want him to be their franchise quarterback. They want him to put the team on his shoulders and just run with it. And the problem that I have with that is that Cam Newton is a very good quarterback. He's a mobile quarterback. He's got a cannon for an arm. But Cam Newton doesn't really have the biggest threats in the world out on the outside to just sit back and throw the ball 40 times a game. You have Christian McCaffrey in your backfield. Use him. Run the ball with Christian McCaffrey. I mean, he, he's got six catches for 57 yards. That's I mean, that's great. Great production. But 13 rushes? He averaged four yards a carry. Run the ball. Get this thing moving. Ugh. It's just frustrating when these NFL teams have these studs on their offense and yet they're blinded by you know these quarterbacks that they have and their quarterback salaries and thinking, well, he's got this big paycheck. We got to make him the focal point of the offense, i.e. the Denver Broncos. Just because Case Keenum is getting paid the most on your offense doesn't mean he needs to be the focal point. 
You overpaid for him anyways. So look at what he's actually really worth versus what you're paying him and use your offensive weapons to the best of your ability because there's a lack of that with a lot of these teams in the NFL and that's why you see them have these crazy losses or tight losses in games that they should win. The Carolina Panthers, the way they've played this year, the roster they have in place with that defense, they should have never lost to the Detroit Lions by one point. Come on. (sighs) Enough with all the losing teams. (laughs) from yesterday. Why don't we move on to some of the bigger things at hand? And that is none other than the Chiefs and the Rams. Tonight, Monday Night Football, I mean, these two teams are sitting at the very tip top of the NFL. Quarterbacks are studs, MVP candidates, running backs are studs, Wide receivers are studs. You know, tight end is more on the Kansas City side. Uh, but, you know, this is this is a game, like I talked about on Thursday, that's just going to be so much fun to watch. And I'm going to sit back and truly just try and watch this game as a fan of football, as a fan of the NFL. And normally, I, I definitely root for more defensive games. I prefer to have some defensive presence in the NFL. Unlike, you know, our fantasy goers and, you know, other people that, you know, are like, ah, I just want all the big plays. I, you know, I want scoring 24-7. Well, you know, I, I'm a little bit more old school when it comes to that. But considering these two offenses, considering the fantasy, I know I have to say it. I'm sorry. I know I, you know, go back and forth. But the fantasy implications that I have tonight with Patrick Mahomes and Jared Goff and Travis Kelsey you know, I, I want to see these two really battle it out. And, you know, I, I don't want to make a prediction on this game or I wasn't going to make a prediction on this game because I think these two are just so, they're so well coached. They're so talented that this game truly could come down to the wire. It could go either way. But personally, I have to root for the Rams. I hate the Chiefs, but, you know, I want to see a little scoring out of them. I have to pick the Rams in this game, and for one reason and one reason only is defense. The Rams have a better defense than Kansas City. Their offenses are pretty evenly matched, but I would definitely give the Chiefs a little bit of a nod when it comes to comparing the two offenses. But the Rams' defense is definitely more talented. They're more well-rounded. I would have to give them the nod as far as Wade Phillips and the coaching of defense. So I will... Go with the Rams tonight against the Chiefs at home because of one thing. I think the Rams defense will come up with a huge stop, a huge turnover late in this game that will make all the difference and give the Rams either the win or the chance to take the victory late in the fourth quarter. So give me the Rams tonight. It's going to be a huge matchup. Everyone's going to be watching. I hope you all enjoy. I know I will. And we will definitely see how this one ends, uh, you know, because it, it could be, you know, one for the record books and, uh, you know, definitely one for our memory books. So uh, definitely enjoy it. Thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, because of Thanksgiving this week, I will be hitting you guys up on Wednesday instead of our normal Thursday. So Wednesday, we'll talk all about the 
Thanksgiving Day matchups, the fun games we have going on this weekend, and wish you all a happy, happy, happy Thanksgiving on Wednesday. So check me out then. It'll be just one day earlier. I think everyone will be able to manage. Thank you all so much for listening. Check me out on Twitter at no need to a, and I will check you all on Wednesday. Take care. Thank you all so much for listening again. Until next time, I'm Kobe Wittick, and there's no need to argue about that. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.